1: Today I've got a great chat for you, with Zach from Good Looking Friends. Their brand new album, The Light of the Well, is one that has truly sucked me in, and that despite having an advanced copy of it for a good while, I still feel like I don't fully understand. The Light of the Well is dense, both musically and thematically, I'm so glad I was able to dive into it with Zach. Hopefully this will shed a little light on it for you, or even be your first introduction to it, because pandemic or not, it's a rager. And it's even more fitting because it came out when it did. Why
2: Before I, like, kind of comment on the album at all, I, you like referred to it at one point in our email exchange as like a behemoth, and I'm just curious, like what makes you define it that way?
0: That's a that's a really thoughtful question. Um, wow, there's layers to that. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess at one level, um, this thing took over all of my thoughts for a solid six months uh, of my life. November, I guess it started November. I November 2018. I guess it must have been November 2018. Um, it was right after I started. So so Shelly, our, our sax player, taught me how to uh, read and write music uh, using notation software called Finale. And we we did it to to do... How do you explain it? We did a benefit show for a nonprofit that she was working with called the Null Pointer Foundation, uh, to, which is a, a Brooklyn-based nonprofit that gives gives kids uh, instrument lessons if they don't have access to stuff. Uh, it's, this is unimportant, I'm <laughs> rambling already. Um, There's a great cause, we had a great time doing it, but she, she taught me how to, how to read and write music using Finale um, for this for this concert that we were putting on with Barty Strange and Anika Pyle, um, good looking friends. And I got really, really into uh, the idea that I could like program music. And I don't know, it kind of clicked for me that, you know, writing music is the same as programming for a computer. So mm-hmm. once that project was done, I started trying to write everything in Finale. And the one danger with that is you're not limited by like your body's exhaustion level. So I was just <laughs> sitting with my computer until four in the morning every night, just like playing around with notes and like, I don't know, it was, a, <laughs> it was a big awakening for me. So I say behemoth, I guess, because like all I could think about were these notes on the page, on this mm-hmm. digital page.
2: <laughs> yeah and i mean you started out that by saying that, that my question had layers and um that was one of the things that stood out to me like that kind of like i expected to be part of the answer would be like all the layers that are just like you know kind of ever-present and you know drifting in and out um was that like kind of a result of that uh learning to do the music notation and programming
0: probably i mean they're definitely a lot more coherent because of that um <laughs> Every every producer I've ever worked with that uh, goes a little crazy with how much layering I like to do uh, for sure um, I don't know as a kid. I, I hated writing with pencil I always like writing With pen and like if I'd make a mistake I would just thicken the line until it was the right letter that I was supposed to write in the first <laughs> place and Songwriting and producing is definitely the same for me
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and like, I know in the bio, it mentioned that your producer had like a classical background. Um Can you tell me a bit about that and like how that kind of like influenced the way the recording went?
0: Oh, for sure. Um Yeah. So we worked with two great producers on this record on the two different sides of the house. Uh, Lorenzo Wolfe is the one that article is referencing. Uh, he has a great studio uh, in Bushwick called, I don't know, it might technically be East Williamsburg now, um, called Restoration Sound. Um, and he he produces all sorts of all sorts of music, but he works with a lot of classic, a lot of new music composers and a lot of classical collectives, as well as like country and bluegrass artists. We're definitely the only like emo project that <laughs> he works with uh, for sure. But he, he calls it restoration sound because like his passion is finding trash and like fixing it. Like he, he found a baritone guitar in, the, in a garbage can and fixed it and gave it to me as a, as a gift for finishing uh-huh. the record. Um, but yeah, so he finds all of these broken instruments and just repairs them. Um, so his studio is just full of all this crazy cool stuff. And a lot of it, you know, it, it comes from him being self-taught. He was, he's a self, he he's a self-taught producer and a self-taught bass player. And when he was kind of making a living for himself, when he first moved to the city, he played in a whole bunch of different outfits and just through you gotta you gotta know him to like (laughs) to really understand but like he's just so good at talking to someone trying to figure out what they think they want something to sound like and then showing them an instrument that they've never heard of that does exactly the spirit of what they're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I've seen him I've seen him mic up like 20 person orchestras and stuff He's, he's, he's
2: oh yeah so definitely no stranger to layers (laughs) definitely not is there like a good example of that that you can point to in one of the songs where you're about what you're saying about like describing what kind of sound you want and then magically coming up with the instrument to produce it
0: oh absolutely absolutely uh because he also besides just instruments he's also really into like Turn of like mid-century technology. Like his favorite thing is tape machines from the '50s and '60s, and doing stuff with that. So mm-hmm. on um, on the song "No Thanks" at the end of it, there's a there's the same drawl that's also at the end of Le- uh, at the end of Leonard, but it's like a a really warm sounding kind of drone sound that mm-hmm. then gets passed through a tape delay and it gets really crazily manipulated. And then Chris Teddy, had other layers on it too. But like that box was this thing called the Shruthi box that I've never heard of before. And he was like, oh, you want just a drone? to put your, put your delay pedal away. We have enough of that already. Like, let me just show you this. This is it, this is the right thing. Uh, (laughs) And he just went into the space and just started pumping this thing. It looks kind of like an accordion, but it has set keys on it. It's like you pick the chord you want it to, to play and then you just pump it and it emits this constant beautiful tone. And then he's like, if you don't like this, just give me a second. And then he ran, he recorded that, ran it through this tape delay and then started manipulating the tape while it was playing back. And the sound, it just, it took over, took over everything for here for like two days.
2: <laughs> wow. That, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> and like, how did that kind of uh, difference in the process, like change the album itself?
0: Well, I would say more than anything. So the, the last record we did settle in Decay, we actually did the exact same workflow. Um, oh. that, was, that was our first time that we met Lorenzo. So yeah, it's the same workflow. We we recorded at Restoration Sound with Lorenzo. That was the first time we met him um, and had Chris Teddy mix and produce the, the tracks after we finished with them. Um, but what was different this time was definitely just like the... Lorenzo had, had expanded what he's been working on a lot. Um, and he, he's, he has now, I guess, a long-term partner who is a classical violinist. And, and she, she was pretty integral to that. she's She's playing all the violins. Mm -hmm. on the on the tracks and she also comes from like a jamming and new music background but but more than anything it was it was having shelly there um uh shelly washington who's our baritone sax player keyboard player singer um who is a big deal new music composer she's amazing uh and also way too (laughs) way too famous to be a part of our (laughs) band um like having her in the studio with lorenzo she's like a very frenetic exciting and excitable person and every new thing that he would show her, she'd be like, we could use that, we could use that. And then it'd be the next hour figuring out how we could use that. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely the, comb- the The two of them are mad people. And when they're, <laughs> when they're both in the same room, it gets really crazy. <laughs>
2: nice, yeah. And I mean, I feel like the sequencing and flow of the album, uh, you know, seems to be like really purposeful, um, like kind of taking you on a journey for sure. Um, like, can you tell me about like the role of that in relation to the album?
0: Oh, for sure! Sh- like the the sequencing of the songs. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me think about that for a second. So, when I was when I was first writing this, when I was when I was like not sleeping and just spending all day in finale, I was I was going back through like a bunch of like rootsy stuff that that like was a big influence on me and the way that I perceive music. Like when I was a kid, I loved musical theater, so I was like thinking a lot about Les Mis. Um, I was watching The Next Generation all the way through, I was listening to Puccini and like other opera stuff. My dad used to be an opera singer and like all this uh, classical music that I'd never heard before. And I wanted to do, I wanted to do like the songs from the black hole Weezer record that never got made, which was like him, the, the album that became Pinker. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um,
2: yeah to an extent
0: <laughs> cool yeah like i i love the idea that like rivers cuomo tried to do a rock opera and he gave up and instead it was pinkerton which is their best album but i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna make a rock opera it's gonna be great um but it, it ended up going just kind of like his did um <laughs> ended up with with an album that i'm really really proud of but like i i couldn't even though we moved away from the concept of like these characters are performing these activities and like these are the events that they're in um that's defi- I wouldn't say that, that that's really in the record, but the alignment of the songs, like who they were, who they were supposed to be about, I wanted I wanted it still to flow thematically and sonically the way that I've been thinking about it when it was supposed to be like a narrative op- uh, operatic album.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so a lot of the a lot of the, the sequencing of it is is kind of driven by that. Mm-hmm. Um, introduction of a theme and then like flipping that theme on its head, keeping the same, keeping similar songs in a similar key um, because they're expressing a similar viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff uh, definitely, definitely lent to the sequencing.
2: Yeah, and where were you like in the process when you kind of abandoned the idea of it being like a full-on rock opera?
0: Uh, we'd recorded probably four of the tracks and three of the tracks that we ended up just dropping because they weren't good. Um, <laughs> cause I was still writing it in this studio. Like this was a, this was a, like we had, we had so much of the foundational stuff there, but then we were working and reworking and reworking even while we were in the studio. And mm. like, as we were making changes to make a better record, it stopped making sense for, you know, this lame is ripoff. I was trying to write. <laughs> um, so it was, it was somewhere around the fourth or fifth song that we decided that this was going to be, uh, is going to be a record
2: mm-hmm. yeah and like as far as you know keeping like that the themes and everything going um was that part of the reason that like the first that the three singles were the first three tracks in order or was that just kind of like happenstance they just happened to be the ones that you felt you wanted to share first
0: you know that's absolutely it was so much debate so our band our our band works kind of probably differently than, than most bands. Like I, I come up with almost all of the starting points of the songs and almost all the lyrics. Um, but then as we like develop the songs, it becomes absolutely groupthink. We all agree, we all put forward our ideas and like the stuff molds together, um, which is awesome for, for building a song. I, I can't imagine doing it a different way, but when it comes to picking an album name or picking a track list or deciding <laughs> which singles to put out first, it is curious <laughs> debate. <laughs> furious furious debate that goes on for weeks um and i think we started with bravery and euphoria euphoria we were playing a bit before like probably four or five months before the record came out we were playing it live and people seemed to really like it um and for me i mean like that's definitely the in a weird way the Weezeriest song i've ever i've ever written and i was pretty <laughs> i'm like i'm still pretty proud of that you know like there's something in there that invokes weezer for me um but it was our drummer adam who was like for once can we just can we just put out can we start the record off and put the heavy stuff out first because he like we 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 play kind of a variety of genre and like intensity Mm -hmm. um and he he always wants to put out like the hardest rockiest stuff um so we 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 went with it and uh, (laughs) it's been pretty fun it's been pretty fun
2: yeah i mean like so with it being out, you know, a few days now, have you like kind of n- noticed a change in, you know, the way people are either like reacting to it or like the kind of people who seem to be uh, like getting recommended towards it? That's a great question. It's still a little soon to tell. We're still in that sort of gelatinous Spotify period. <laughs>
0: um, I don't know if it's cause the record's better or if it's just because everyone is in quarantine and can't go anywhere, but there's been a lot more internet reaction to it, which has been great. <laughs> Um, but I think that, I think that's as much to do with everybody having nothing to do between, um, <laughs> as it is the record being good.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, yeah, like, you know, how has the whole, you know, like COVID pandemic kind of affected the album and its release? I mean, you know, you said how like survive is literally a song about being like trapped in your house and being afraid to go outside. Like, uh, how is both the way that you view the album and, you know, uh, just kind of the way that like the rollout went. How did it kind of like affect everything?
0: Uh, I'll I'll start with the with the the like physical changes. Uh, <laughs> we're supposed to be on tour right now with our good friends and hit like a girl. I was really excited for that. We're supposed to be playing Fochella in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, March. We we spent like four months figuring out who could actually get to Austin for South by Southwest. And We had like a full full slew of shows set up for that, and our bassist had just bought a ticket two days before to the oh. announcement that South by South bys would be canceled <laughs> to get out there. So yeah, we were, we were kind of playing some great shows. Uh, the South by ones were with some bands that we really love and people we haven't seen in a long time. Um, and Focella, a bunch of bands that we just met touring who we never get an opportunity to play with. We were really excited to do both, both of those runs. Um, hmm. And we're, yeah, we were mostly going to promote. We <laughs> we decided to promote the record by touring a bunch, which is different than what we've done in the past. Uh, so yeah, all of our plans were shattered, but that's <laughs> true of pretty much everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, transitioning to internet world, it's been a surprise. For instance, uh, the the people—they just did Minecella. I don't know if you if you watched any of that on Twitch or.
2: I heard about Origami Angel crashing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they did. It was a six set. The Origami Angel one was a six set. <laughs> uh, they, the, the people who were going to put on Fochella built a Minecraft world that was a music festival. Um, it was like music festival grounds, but Minecrafted up. So there's like mountains <laughs> and stuff you can climb on. But they recreated that the house that they started booking shows at it's called the Summit Shack. <laughs> so it's like the mainstay of Bowling Green for, for them. Like they book shows there if their house show size. It's like they recreated their own house and put the show on anyway and everybody was so positive and so excited to be doing something even if they were just sitting at home and so like responsive to new music and it still felt like communities like I, I don't know stuff like that has been really surprising and uplifting to me because it's it's easy to like I live in New York it's it's easy to like look outside and see no one on the streets and feel like I don't know you're a leftover from that show I guess um, but I I don't know. I I used to hate Twitter and now it's like really nice to know that people are still trying to remain positive and they're keeping the community going despite not being able to, you know, reap most of the benefits of the community togetherness and empathy. The empathy Mm -hmm. can still live even in in the internet toilet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But your other question, how do I, yeah, I don't know. The, the record was supposed to be about societal collapse, uh, and now there seems to be something close to a societal collapse. I'm freaking out a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Fair
2: enough. I mean, like, do you feel like there was kind of like something that you were grabbing from in the air for the inspiration, or like, how do you kind of like uh, mentally kind of like explain it to yourself? Uh, I mean, <laughs>
0: that's a that's a good question. It depends how funny I feel, you know. Like, if I <laughs> if I want to go full pretend to be a shaman you know there's a lot of there's a lot of fun conspiracy theories I can form but I mean the reality is I I've had I've like I've been in pretty poor health my whole life um I've had a a couple of pretty serious like brushes with 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 illness and with hospitalization surgeries and stuff so like a lot of a lot of my music and a lot of like the angst that goes into it because it's emo music after all like it comes from this place of of physical non-well-being and like Fear of institutions, like they're trying to help, but you know they put you on pills for the rest of your life, that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. so like, I was, I'm always writing about those themes anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's probably just coincidence. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. There's the most of what I keep reading, and the most valuable conversations I'm having about the pandemic are about how it's not the, it's not COVID. That's the problem. It's the the weakening of late stage capitalism. Mm-hmm. that's always been the problem It's just exposing those issues in a clear mm-hmm. magnified light. And like, that's what, that's what I was writing about.
2: So, <laughs> so do you feel like the reactions that the early reactions that people are having, do, do you think they're like different than they would have been otherwise?
0: You know, that's a great question. And I have no way, I have no way of knowing um, <laughs> our, our good friends, our good friends stay inside, put out an album a week before us and it's amazing and everyone should listen to it. Um, but theirs is also about similar structural, structural destruction stuff. I, I think I'm I'm like hoping people would have been woke enough to want to change their consumption habits and like think a little bit about how they treat each other, and like what their fears are when when interacting with someone with someone or something that wants them to act a certain way and how they, I don't know. I would I would hope that the people who who would be listening to the record, would be coming from a, a place of uh, criticism and openness, mm-hmm. uh, even without needing an outlet because they're stuck in their houses. yeah For
2: sure. <laughs>
0: but I really don't know, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, I mean, like, I, so one of the, you know, kind of little sections that kind of stood out to me most in the album um, was like the, no thanks into Tenagara. I don't know how you... Tanagra,
0: Tanagra. Tanagra?
2: Okay. Um, Yeah, like, I feel like the kind of, like, you mentioned, like, the droning sound and even, like, the kind of, like, lyrical droning of, like, the so human to fear you at the end of No Thanks, kind of going into that, like, almost seven-minute, like, instrumental um, piece is something that, like, really stood out to me and something that I feel like you don't typically kind of hear on, like, a emo-branded record. Um... Like can you tell me about like how like composing that and kind of like how it's space in the record and where you see how it fits
0: oh absolutely um yeah a little bit a little bit of background no thanks is a song that i I started writing when I was in college, which Lord, like ten years ago um when I was living in a house in during the winter and all the we kept losing power and we kept losing heat and I was there by myself for for i think it was ten days um and it was like you know, negative five out We're so the base the the bass player of the band, Sean and I, we went to the same college and we lived in the same house, but I was the only one there, it was over winter break or something. Um, so the, that, that feeling of, of loneliness and like being like literally shivering on the floor and thinking about the last good thing that happened, which had been like a packed show that we had done at our house with, with all of our friends. Um, and a bunch of strangers and like how you can, you can like build a real life for yourself with people and that those memories will sustain you through loneliness. Like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when we were, when we were writing this record, we just decided like this, this song should be on it. Let's, let's bring back that idea. But like so much of the record is about so much of, of this record is about people becoming adversarial towards one another for seemingly no reason, or because some societal pressure is putting them at, adversity with one another, um, when in reality, there's more commonality between them than anything they should be fighting about. <laughs> um, so this seemed like a good counter to that when we were deciding what songs to put on the record that like, yeah, there's a, there's a kumbaya moment there. There's like a, there's a nice space that, that you can be in. So like having that come towards from the end of the record, after there's all of these episodes of violence and adversity um, and coming to peace with it, it it felt to me a lot like just walking around the parts of Brooklyn that I like to, to frequent and walking from crowds of people to all of a sudden being completely alone with, with, with my own thoughts, like by the water, looking out at like boats passing, but no one around me for, for hundreds of feet, which just is a rare thing where <laughs> I live um, and the quiet and peace that comes with that. Um, but just kind of like superimposing, like the events that, Whatever events I was carrying with me, like onto the city, and like watching the landscape change in the ways that it, that you know, in those moments of of clarity, when you think like, you know, maybe maybe if everyone, maybe if everyone's on the same page, we can make progress, and like thinking that that could expand out to to a bigger group of people than just you and your friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so anyway, uh, I'm I'm rambling a little bit here, but I guess the the sequencing there is like starting going into a lonely place. Uh, knowingly and confidently that because you know that there's like warmth behind you and your past experiences and more warmth coming. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of why we wanted those two to blend into each other.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I really like hearing that explanation behind it. And as far as like the actual, um, like composing of it, how was that for you?
0: Well, is that, so yeah, it was fun doing, doing no thanks again was really fun because yeah, we we'd recorded that for, our first EP um, you won't die which came out I think in 2016 um, mm-hmm. but we decided to scrap it because the the recording had some like really bad uh, vocals on it and we were just like eh, who knows whatever forget it but like that compared to Tanagra which was a song I completely wrote in um, in finale like I think I played the lick on guitar and then was like oh I wonder let's try let's try trying to finish the song like let's try writing the whole song in in finale, so like mm-hmm. taking a song that we really had just jammed on eight years ago and then again four years ago, and then again uh one year ago, uh, right next to the song that like Tanagra like seven and a half minutes, like you said, like so it was seven it was seven and a half minutes of fourteen instruments and like figuring out what a quarter note versus a dotted eighth note is. <laughs> um, that was that was that song was kind of the one that like really made me feel that i could put good stuff out just using just using notation software because all the, all the rest of it was still like yeah when i play this live don't play it like that i just don't know what else to do here because i'm limited by my knowledge of music um that one was the first one where i was like no every i can think of every element i want and like recreate it in this program
2: mm-hmm. um yeah and like going off of that like how have since you started writing that way how to have like the live shows uh changed in any way
0: uh well in the end there are only four of us so <laughs> it's a uh, it's taking taking way too much it ends up being the same process actually which is pretty funny the live shows haven't really changed at all um <laughs> gotcha which honestly i like uh my dream is still to perform this with 20 people but Definitely nowhere near that. 20 people can't even gather in one house anymore. So (laughs) yeah.
2: Oh god. Maybe someday. Maybe someday.
0: (laughs) But you know, it's actually it's one of my favorite things to do. Like we this like this is our second record, and we did two EPs before this. And Sean Adam and I have been playing music together for like a really long time. Um and going for the pie in the sky best thing that we can make sound on wax and then figuring out how to recreate some of that live and like some Mm -hmm. of the dynamic of it live with just for a while three people four people now um it's really fun Mm -hmm. it's hard work but it's it's fun
2: yeah and so what is that process like for you just kind of like jamming it out or what
0: uh we definitely we definitely jam it out we'll take a section and we'll like slow it down to like half its bpm or then speed it up um sean is a a huge pedal geek he knows everything about pedals so like (laughs) we'll stop and just like say well what what tone do we really want there to, to recreate the violin or to, to simulate the space that the horns would have taken up and we play with pedals for an hour and then we just do a random post rock jam and then we come back to the song and you know part by part what's this one missing what does this one need mm-hmm. until we lock it in um, and it ends up teaching us kind of like when when i write like i said before i, I well like i layer a lot of things um mm-hmm. And sometimes one instrument will like start a melody and another instrument will finish it. So like picking out which of the melodies are most important and which of the atmosphere uh, can stand in for missing instruments, that kind of stuff, it's fun.
1: Yeah,
2: for sure, that sounds like it. Um, and like another one of the kind of standout ones for me was Lawman where it kind of like starts with like the kind of bright instrumental intro and then kind of you know, starts with these very like dark lines. Um, what well, can you tell me about that song?
0: Oof. Uh yeah, that song. It's about it, it, it's about, it's about the kind of person that seeks power because they like lording things over people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character in that is, is a cop. Um, what's there to say about it? I love I love video games. I'm a big nerd. I love Mega Man. Um, and I started that one just like just jamming by myself on a loop pedal. And like, started going over it I'm like what's the most like aggressive what's the most macho BS aggressive thing I could do (laughs) Um, and that turned into like a really introspective kind of composition of you know what kind of people have made me feel threatened my whole life uh, and trying to write a song about them and what I think they must be thinking to exist the way that they do Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah then putting it in finale and then having a really fun time like that. So there's a loop that, that goes through the whole song consistently. Um, and random bars will cut out so that the rest of the music sits at a different part of the loop cycle. So it's kind of like constantly turning over on itself and going in and out of key. Mm-hmm. Um, and like doing that, doing that math was
2: really fun. <laughs> nice. Like, um, so how is that like the process of, you know, kind of like going into these darker places in your mind, like imagining how like these, these people like kind of exist. How does that, and like with the kind of cognitive dissonance of, you know, having a lot of fun, like making the music, how does that, how did that kind of like affect or change like your perspective?
0: So yeah, I I think a lot of this record is about, is about cognitive dissonance and double think. Like a lot of times I would be really uncomfortable and like really sad, like really sad while writing some of these things. But trying to trying to map how like my sadness is very reflective of of my happiness, or how my comfort is also is the opposite of my discomfort. So they share they share tone. It's two sides of the same coin. Um, and the way the ways that you could like show both of them in a song, um, yeah. In a lot of ways, it it it's like a constant flow of emotion for sure. Um, <laughs> Like that's like that song Tanagra that we were talking about before like the it changes key a couple times and you don't necessarily know that it's changing key because the melody shared between both keys it works over both but it, it has a different modal quality to it um Lamian's kind of Lamian's similar in that and the the redeeming part for me in there is the there's one chorus that doesn't repeat uh it just happens once and that's the response to uh that's the response to people who want to lord things over you that We want out get us out of here it's the response to people who are forced into consumption or realize that they're looking at their phones too much uh for a reason that they don't really understand um there's a there's a refrain of rejection and strength in there and the whole song kind of leads up to that so i don't know i was able to 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 myself be like if you're writing a villain you got to like really write the villain and (laughs) but it was it was hard it was hard a lot of times. Cause like, if you can empathize with, with somebody and you think that person is bad, right. Does that make you bad too? Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of me questioning that. The answer <laughs> is yes. You can still, you can still feel bad for an evil person.
2: Oh, <laughs> um, and I mean, another one that like really stood out to me, um, was multiply, which was, you know, one of the singles as well. Like, can you tell me about that song, how that one came together?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's one, that's one that I definitely wrote the more traditional way. Um, I actually had started parts of it, like the the verse parts, um, like two years ago, right when I had a, had adopted my cat, Jerry. Um, not really adopt, she kind of just forced herself into my apartment and <laughs> has been living there ever since. Um, but I took half of that song and wrote the, the song Bodega Cat, which I put out on Split with Stay Inside back in 2018. Um, so I had this other half of the song that I really liked. So I took that jam and like started playing with it again. Um, was really influenced by our friends Concrete Concrete, who I don't even know how to describe them. It's like post math, post grad math. Really beautiful, uh, mostly vocalist music. They're incredible musicians and great to see live. Um, and they definitely have like jazzy elements to them. I was like, let's let's do a let's do a jazzy punk song. Um, so I started from there and. That one is that one's like pretty much rooted in, in reality. It's like a love song, um, and again, another another love song to to DIY. <laughs> it's like that's that's pretty much the big theme. Uh, corporations and mean people want to tell you what to do, but you can find a community and feel safe and express yourself. So that song's that song's mostly about that. <laughs> I
2: don't
0: know. Sometimes feeling like an outsider everywhere, um, no matter where you go
2: yeah for sure yeah and you mentioned the like split with stay inside which i know was like you know kind of more of a collaboration than like a straight you know typical split where it's like some songs from one man some songs from another um and i know you also did like the choose your own adventure text game along with the release of settle and decay like what can you tell me about like the inspiration for these projects and kind of what you know how you make those kind of like bigger dreams and goals like come to fruition?
0: Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded one. Um, well, first things first, I have wonderful friends. I hope they think I'm a good friend to them too. Um, we, uh, the split, the split, especially like everybody in stay inside and Bartiz when he was in the band, um, I have so much just respect and love for what they do. Um, and, Bryn, the bass player from Stay Inside once said, like, we love your music and you know, it's always a competition, right? Because <laughs> whenever we'd play live together, we try to one up each other with, you know, how loud we could get or how hard we could get or how emotional it could be. Um, so, I don't know, just kind of leaning on that, we started talking about, we were talking about doing a split and I was like, can we just write all the songs together? I love collaborating with people. So it's my favorite thing. Um, so we all locked ourselves in, in my parents' house for a weekend and just wrote and wrote and wrote. Um, the inspiration is I I want to make new art and I want to I want to work with people and help them make their art uh, like I, I like being a producer and a backup person as much as being an elite person um, and that seemed like just a really cool opportunity to, to do something a little bit different and you know like that admiration I have for them I wanted to contribute to it too and I wanted them to contribute to my stuff so the easiest way to do that would just be to write all the songs together <laughs> at least at the same time um the choose your an adventure game was completely the opposite everyone was telling me stop doing that you keep locking yourself in a room for 12 hours
2: <laughs> that sounds like a running theme for you locking yourself in your room to get stuff done <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's true i mean yeah, i'm a very social person um i like to be there for people
2: but i also very much need my alone time and where does that like drive come from for you or like what is kind of like behind it uh, There's
0: a whole slew of things. I don't know, I've always been the kind of person to like go too hard on stuff. <laughs> uh, when, I was, when I was younger, I, I, was, I was mostly bullied a lot, but I could never stop talking. Like, I, I've always had tons of ideas and I need to talk about them even if someone doesn't want to hear them. Um, so I've been really lucky to make friendships with people who are interested in you know, riffing with me and like, figuring out what can be done or why things are the way that they are hmm. um, and how we can do stuff differently. Um, I would, a lot of it also is like the, I mentioned there was, there was like some medical stuff, like when you aren't sure, you know, exactly how much time you have. I'm fine now. Like, I I don't know. I I don't really know how to talk about it, but, um, it it changes your perspective a little bit. And I definitely live, uh, as much in the moment as I can. I want to accomplish as much as I can in the time that I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that definitely permeates a lot of a lot of my thoughts but i'm also really lazy you know i'm like a lazy dude um (laughs) i like to just i like to think about stuff a lot so i don't know i have these periods of extreme activity and then these periods of long reflection with (laughs) lots of walking around and being silent Um,
2: you know always good to have a good mix like that for sure i feel like i'm kind of the same way (laughs) Hmm. yeah that's good (laughs) yes you're not you're not alone in this oh thank you thank you thank you and you know i always like to um wrap up by kind of asking for either you know a piece of advice or kind of like something you've been you know thinking about or contemplating lately um either about music or life in general you know i feel like we hit on a lot of good stuff but if there's any kind of like parted thoughts that you have yeah uh don't don't like good no
0: this is so cheesy this is mega cheese (laughs) swiss right here but uh don't look to the enemy of great. If you have an idea, try it out. Show it to people that, that you like uh, and accept criticism and try to make it a little bit better. But I, too, many, too many times me, for me and for people I know, they get too caught up in like, I don't wanna put in the effort because it's a lot of work and I don't know if it'll even be good at the end. Just do a bad version of it then. <laughs> see, if, see if the activity itself is illuminating to you in any way.
2: For sure, yeah. And I mean there's always time to improve it later on down the line. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And was there anything that like I haven't hit on that you've been really itching to get out there about the record?
0: I'm proud of this. Uh that's hard for me to say. Uh I, I have a hard time like, you know, accepting that that something I've I've done has merit. But I think this what I think this record does. It it we set out with like way too high expectations for it. And I think <laughs> we I think we met almost all the goals we set out to hit and i'm i'm really proud of it and i'm so thankful for the people i've gotten to work with on this (laughs) work on this with work together (laughs) with to create you know what i mean
1: dang that one went pretty deep but i still somehow feel like we hardly scratched the surface either way it was a lot of fun and i hope you enjoyed this experience thanks again to zach for taking the time to talk and be sure to give the light of the well by good-looking friends a few spins when you have the chance. It really is a wonderful record to just sit and be present with. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Call FlyintheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can still vote for Bernie Sanders in the primary. Now's a great time to start researching and finding your own progressives this year before the local elections. Much love. Why are you?